This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Kenyan Wall Street Podcast. Uh, in today's uh, startup show, we we interview Dario Giuliani, who is the founder of Brighter Bridges. Uh, so Brighter Bridges is a, a data intelligence uh, company uh, operating in, uh, in emerging markets uh, or the underserved markets, as uh, Dario likes to put it. So, yeah, welcome to the podcast, uh, Dario. Thanks. Thanks for having me um, here. Uh, I've, you know, I've, I've known the Kenyan Wall Street for, for a while, so it's good to uh, finally get a, get in touch and, and have a conversation. Awesome. Um, so just to give you a bit of a, a flavor of Brighter, um, Brighter was actually born as a magazine. And mm. the idea behind Brighter was to showcase the brighter side to what we call underserved markets, uh, which uh, coincide pretty much with countries and economies and, 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 and locations where uh, the supply of information isn't enough or isn't adequate enough to actually showcase what the opportunities are that lie into these geographies, right? Um, and this applies to, you know, business, investment, to creativity, to, to tourism, right? And there's a, a lot of cloud when it comes to, you know, talking about Africa, talking about South Asia, for instance, Latin America, um, in especially Western markets. Obviously, I come from the perspective of a Western um audience right and i'm trying to tap into this into this gap or at least this is the way the brighter uh began mm -hmm. uh, and as a matter of fact uh you know right now we are actually seeing that there's a, a huge demand for information and in, in, on, on these markets beyond the west right yeah. um so we are actually in conversation with a lot of stakeholders across you know india latin america and china and japan uh, that want to get to know more about the different regions and, and also simply you've seen it uh, you know with with your organizations the the space and the industry is growing very fast right so brighter um went from being a magazine per se onto starting building these maps these innovation maps that you've that you've seen yeah. and a few hundreds maps later you know we've become um i guess a point of reference for research and for data on the continent, but also um, across other other markets, and um, and what happened in in 2019 was we started the construction of what then became the Brighter Intelligence mm -hmm. that went live in May 2020. So we're just approaching a year yeah. in the first birthday, yeah, Brighter Intelligence first birthday, and we count thousands of uh, users and thousands and thousands of companies and investors and deals uh, on it. Um, Something that is uh, kind of new that we launched last year was uh, you know, this newsletter. We decided to avoid spamming and what we wanted to do was uh, just providing one piece of information per month um, yeah. built you know, based on our data and also kind of announce all the research that we published, or, which is usually free, you know, and, um, and that turned into what well, became the, the, the brighter eye, which is, uh, which is you know, our observant uh, mm -hmm. newsletter. Um, something that is important for us when it comes to the storytelling, when we started, we used to say, you know, we're a data driven 
um, storytelling or a data storytelling company. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind this is that not necessarily just for startup, but very much everyone in the market yeah. um, in today is, is processing huge amount of information yeah. uh, every day. And there's a need to streamline this information. There's a need to simplify this information. There's a need to uh, get the sophisticated uh, information, um, get you know, get to the readers, get to the audience in a way that is digestible. And that's how very much the maps were born. And yeah. the idea was to, what the idea was to showcase the state of different sectors or different countries, ecosystems, startup ecosystems. We're talking. And in a, in a way that it, that would be aesthetically pleasing, right, yeah. and uh, and visually easy, and uh, cognitively right uh, understandable, yeah. and that's how the map began. I guess I always say that you know we I think we tapped into a a lucky gap in the market, mm-hmm. um, and we saw the demand skyrocket on that type of output. Um, I, I do believe that the market for infographics has grown since, um, so we're now. <laughs> You know, we're now operating in a market that is more mature and there's more variation and, and diversity in, in the offering. Um, but yeah, we're seeing that there's a there's an increase in demand for this. And and that kind of what led then to the digitization of everything that we were doing mm-hmm. and the, the construction of the writer intelligence, which mm-hmm. is very much the the digitization of everything we've been doing. Yeah. I think maybe let's just talk about the innovation maps for a minute because it, it's hard to believe, you know, it's 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 only been three years uh, and I know it's hundreds of maps later. Um, and for me, you know, as as a startup founder in uh, you know in, in in Kenya, I think the thing that really uh, took me was you know the ease with which uh, you were able to bring um, a lot of that data into you know a visual component because um, previously uh, all of this information yes it might have been available really hard to access first of all uh, but the ease with which and the just the velocity with which you know uh, brighter was able to release this information you know opened up the space to uh, you know startups in east africa now knowing what um, the west is working on or the south or even you know francophone uh, markets so to speak Sure, I have a very uh, serendipitous type of approach to this. Uh-huh. I I think, you know, like we, as much as Uber and Airbnb, you know, the houses and the cars were there, and the yeah. market was also there. Yeah, uh, and the technological, I guess, advancement were there for for people to connect the dots. We very much ended up col- connecting the dots, right? Mm-hmm. So we. Startups were operating, and uh, there's been a growing interest from academia, from public and private investors, from corporates in understanding the state of things. And when it comes to innovation, you know, startups are the the buzz, and they've been the buzz for the past 20 years, Mm -hmm. depending on where you look. Um, And there was a significant gap in in aggregators in, in Africa. There is still in other regions. There are, you know, a, a, amazing magazines that are that are tracking amazing media, you know, yeah. uh, organization that are that are tracking. Uh, we saw the opportunity to provide market insights in a more, I guess, comprehensive way. You know, that wouldn't necessarily be in a in a media fashion, looking after the breaking news, but like maybe taking a step back 
mm-hmm. produce some sort of like slow news and add in the data flavor, meaning trying to extract the opinion part of the news and then really complementing with, with data cross-sectional analysis and, and so on. Um, started in September 2018. Mm-hmm. Writer wasn't even a company when we actually began. Uh-huh. And I published, I, I mean, if you want really the, the, the true story of the map, people think mm-hmm. there, there has been maybe some like grand scheme behind it. Mm-hmm. I was in Nairobi and I was producing some content for what was the magazine. Mm-hmm. And um, I posted this first map of probably like 10 to 15 fintechs that had raised funding in Africa. Yeah. And that boomed, that exploded on LinkedIn. And mm-hmm. I didn't have a, I didn't have a name. I didn't have a... A, a huge network back then. Uh, I started the magazine probably six months before, mm-hmm. you know, I went on <laughs> and, uh, and that led me to sort of like sit down and be like, whoa, you know, that Tadai moment where you're like, maybe, just maybe I'm sitting yeah. on something yeah. um, potentially valuable. And that's how it went. Really. I, I, the, the story is I hired, the person who was renting my room in London, mm-hmm. right? Back then, I was living in a shared flat in London, mm-hmm. and I was li- I was actually in, in in East Africa. This is the backstage story. Yeah. I was living in East Africa, and uh, I was renting my place in 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 London. And I basically told my my designer, "Look, uh, the person that was renting was like, look, I'm gonna just like half the rent." Mm-hmm. If you help me produce these maps, I'll give you the data, you know, the logos. Uh-huh. And, the map. Mm-hmm. and that's like, you know, after two, three or four, she was like, you know, what, I did too much work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had to learn it myself. Yeah. And that's how like basically design, you know, graphic design became a very embedded part of, of Brighter. But yeah, so like this is a very like, you know, the rough uh, backstage story of how the maps be- began. And so like, if you actually see the first few maps, yeah, like probably the first three or four maps, it was agri mobility, clean tech, yeah. I think, and whatever else, e-commerce. All the other maps have like ten times the logos because then it was me having yeah. the time to sit down and, and mm. do this. Um, so yeah, that's how the maps began. But then obviously they became much more, much more sophisticated. We we started collaborating with people on the ground. Yeah. Um, we started reaching out to as many sort of gatekeepers, right, of the information out there. So the media, the the, the hubs, the investors, and yeah. that's how very much from as a sort of bottom-up process, we became very acquainted with with several stakeholders across across the space, across the continent. Very much from Angola to Somalia, like something that I think was innovative when we went out was the fact that we effectively had been mapping Somalia, we'd been mapping Zimbabwe, we'd been mapping, like, what was it? Uh, Angola and Mozambique. Mm-hmm. And no one had done it before. And, and no one didn't, you know, no one even knew that the, the, the there used to be startup ecosystem growing in this space. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that, that has led then to the media picking up our work, um, local and international, and starting sort of dubbing us as a, as a research organization. And that's how I guess the, the, the domino effect uh, started. And then, you know, the story, you know, we digitized the process, we expanded yeah. the offering. Yeah. But the map was very much the, 
the first thing some cynical people might even say that <laughs> like the map are really the added value that we brought in the space maybe we're not bringing any more added value i don't think that's the case i think we're doing a lot no, of work there's a lot of uh, money. but yeah so for instance what happens now is that perhaps the the the, the report that are 50 pages that are not as in, immediate as the maps but we're ad, ad, you know adopting the same process to get the, the information out there on the francophone space on the fintech space on yeah. you know on, on different environments um, because we, we really want to leverage the fact that we are very acquainted with the space mm-hmm. to project the the opportunities that are in here. Awesome. And, and maybe just then to, to touch on the report, obviously you've given us the backstory, uh, you know, from the maps. Um, and for me, just, uh, you know, the culmination of uh, the start of the fintech uh, in emerging markets report, it's, it's really an eye opener because, um, again, we still don't see quite enough uh, research, you know, looking at the entire African space and, you know, just... Um, picking out themes uh, and, you know, just breaking them down. Um, and, and I went through the report and there's quite a number of things that really excite me. Um, so obviously, you know, the report mentions that uh, in as much as the number of seed rounds are, are increasing, uh, they're still quite low in terms of value when you look at, when you compare it to other regions like, um, like say, it's, uh, Asia or Latin America, you know, um, what were some of the, like responses uh, for the reasons for, you know, um, something like uh, such a statistic uh, from you who, you know, conducted the research and uh, had a one-on-one interaction with the respondents? Sure, I think the the caveats or the bottom line that we have to, you know, keep in mind for this report, but in general, when analyzing this in the spaces, mm-hmm. the African technology ecosystems are extremely nascent yeah. first second when we talk about african startup ecosystems we're talking about six to eight spaces at best right the big ones um, again yeah because like you know you have the the usual suspect and then you have the less usual suspect but mm-hmm. still suspect yeah right uh who are growing and attracting capital and and pr very much and branding mm-hmm. as, as spaces you know silicon savannah and you know, Western Cape and, and all of that. But in, in, in truth, we're talking about very nascent spaces. And the second thing to consider is that the seed stage has been growing. Mm-hmm. And what that, what the amount of in the seed, seed round, and what that means is simply the fact that investors are seeing a, a higher investability and a lower degree of risk yeah. in deploying higher capital than they used to mm-hmm. at the same stage, right? Okay. So the understanding down the line that, that companies would probably have like a higher ability to return investment and there's more capital availability and there is more examples that are coming out, right? Not necessarily, you know, the paystack. There are several organizations that are making uh, millions in, yeah. in revenues and hiring you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Um, so I think that's that. what really needs to be considered. Now, there is a technical caveat, mm-hmm. a statistical caveat. Basically, we mentioned that the, seed, the ticket sizes are larger in Latin America and in Asia. But obviously, that's because, you know, the, the, the spaces are, are more advanced 
yeah. right, are, are, are more mature yeah. than many of the spaces across Africa. And then the second is the fact that we've factored in some of the very late stages. So in, in, in across Africa, we're starting to see Series B and Series C, and yeah. maybe Series D when, when, you, when you're lucky, right? Um, but in, in India and Latin America, this has been the case for a long time. Yeah. Right. And then again, when we're talking about Latin America, we're talking about three, four countries at best. Right. So you're seeing massive investment in Brazil. We're yeah. seeing massive investment in uh, Mexico. You're seeing massive, let's see, start seeing investment in startups in Argentina and in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Right. But these are all middle-income countries. Yeah. Like these are like if you like to look at you know the 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 the, the correlation between um, GDP per capita and per capita and and, uh, and disposable income and infrastructure and all of that. Like these are countries that obviously present different features compared to um, the average country across Africa. Right. Mm-hmm. Talking about like the mid in in the list of you know first and GDP per capita is different. Yeah. And but they present similarities with uh, Kenya, with Egypt. So you can see a degree of regulation that is in favor of ICT and tech companies. You can see infrastructure, you can see uh, disposable income and so on and so forth. So the, I think it, there are different ways that you can read this uh, data point. You can look at it from, a, from a, you know, looking at the glass half empty, saying there's a need for more uh, for, for more seed state. There's a need for more investment and there is a need for more investment, right? Mm-hmm. If you just look at, you know, the money that is going into Southeast Asia and the money that is going into African startups, you can already see how far behind the ecosystems are. Yeah. And you don't have to cross compare it with California, right? Yeah, or US, yeah. Because California is beyond everything. No, but it's beyond, it's beyond the UK, it's beyond France, right? So like juxtaposing this ecosystem is, is a bit of a is is a, is a fallacy in in understanding you know how to uh, analyze. Um, but then again, the other way to to look at this is that the the trend has been very positive. Mm-hmm. Like the, the trend has been growing. The number of funds available and sort of making capital available are more. Like the type of facilities are more diverse right the more diverse and you can see you know there's more diverse facilities there's more um equity non-equity there are are more grants um more um first loss and kind of blended finance opportunities and so on and so forth and something that is very interesting is that now the founders that have been uh, having a certain degree of success in the past few five let's say five to ten years Mm -hmm. are actually like the ambassadors of a new generation of startups and they're investing and reinvesting and reinvesting into into yeah. i think the latest of of literally i've seen it yesterday was that kudi and wallets africa are yeah. collaborating yeah. right and this is a, i think it's wallets africa yeah and um and this is exactly the opportunity that is out there it's not necessarily for investment right for vc yeah but it's also for like collaborations like yeah. When you have an infrastructure that you can tap into and use that infrastructure as a vehicle for growth and expanding revenues, that's what you want to, you know, what you want to pursue. 
not necessarily, and it's also equity free, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you don't yeah. have to give away supplies of your of your company. Really so this is a massive opportunity that, that is out there, and and I like to look at it this way. Obviously, there's a massive gap, mm-hmm. right? When you look at the other regions, especially if you compare it with uh, with Silicon Valley, but it's it's steady, it's growing, and there's more interest. Awesome. Um, and I think you've summed it up well, you know, even just looking at the recent um, partnership between Kudi and Wallets Africa, uh, because what we've seen is um, sort of the, the, the startups with the infrastructure or, you know, the ones that are building the rails, you know, are the ones that really are way ahead in terms of, you know, raising funds, customers. Uh, but then we have now a new generation of, you know, startups that are actually now coming and building on top of that infrastructure. So I talk about uh, companies like Flutterwave that have built, you know, that cross border payments, your pay stacks, but now they are enabling now a new generation of startups that can actually thrive on top of that infrastructure. A hundred percent. I I do believe that the opportunity right now lies in in, in partnerships and in uh, trying to unlock different market opportunities mm-hmm. um, that are not necessarily in, 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 in the investment space. I think the investment space is a consequence of the opening up of these opportunities. Yeah, awesome. So maybe then uh, in terms of when we look at, you know, just opportunities for growth, uh, obviously the other thing that then comes up is scale. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, there's been always that uh, raging question about or challenge for most African startups to, first of all, scale beyond their, uh, their countries and maybe, you know, just have that continental or even go to Latin America or Asia uh, markets. Uh, what is it, you know, from your experience that you've seen that has really worked in terms of, you know, just breaking those boundaries of scale for most, uh, for, for the startups that you have uh, looked at on the continent? I mean, this is a $1 million question, $1 <laughs> trillion dollar question maybe uh-huh. um it's um it really depends on on the business model right yeah uh, it really depends on on the company we have seen um i think technologically speaking we now have everything we need to let startups and companies scale mm-hmm. i am increasingly becoming an advocate for more conducive regulation mm-hmm. right so the the tech piece is there right what what's missing is is the market readily available is the market reachable if the market isn't reachable why is it the case right mm-hmm. why so is it because of regulation is it because of like political instability right is it because infrastructural instability mm-hmm. or in, a, in an inadequacy and so on and so forth. So I, I wouldn't have a, a blueprint for success. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anyone has, to be fair. Um, I do think partnerships and identifying long-term type of solution that would enable you to work um, it, for, a, for a sustained amount of time in a replicable way mm-hmm. and across border is probably like the um one way to, to to look at it that way but again you know it's 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 really hard now we're, we're trying to to find a you know one size fits all uh type of type of solution we are seeing a lot of companies that are trying to look at cross-border mm-hmm. 
we all wonder whether you know the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement would actually bear the fruits uh, that it's been you know promising. Mm-hmm. But we're still very early on into this. We're yeah. still very early on into interoperability. We're still very early on into seeing massive like cloud companies that are entering the the space. Um, so I think there's there's still um, huge potential for 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 leaping forward. Okay, awesome. Uh, and and I think you you mentioned uh, regulation, and uh, I think personally, um, regulation is really uh, uh, you know a big challenge, especially uh, in some markets across the continent. We've seen you know uh, very many issues or run-ins of startups uh, in Nigeria with the regulator. Um, but I, I did not find uh, you know much uh, of on regulation in you know in the report. Maybe from from your point of view. Uh, in terms of regulation, what do you think have been the biggest uh, hurdles and how then can we start to uh, sort of uh, correct some of those uh, issues that we've had? So I think cutting out all the, I guess, the, the darker spots when it comes to like corruption, when it comes to vested interest, when it comes to lobbying. I think obviously we're still talking about, you know, economies that have, that lack a degree of infrastructural maturity, mm-hmm. right? And legal framework maturity yeah. to then enable a lot of um, liberalization in many respects. Uh, I think the fact that many of the startups are seeing a lot of fraud cases mm-hmm. rising mm-hmm. is an example that can be brought to the table. I'm always in favor of like letting kind of like a having some sort of like market yeah. liberalization approach with uh, criteria, right? And uh, no complete liberalization, but there need to be steps uh, that need to be put in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then need to be in, you know, it's the milestone that need to be met for liberalization to happen. For, uh, you know, the people who hold then control of, of regulation to just sit back and be like, yep, I think there are enough guarantees, enough checks and balances across mm-hmm. the market, you know, for us to you know, sit back. And again, I'm factoring out the whole like corruption and vested interest part, which I think obviously you know, plays a role. I don't think I want to get involved in this conversation, <laughs> but obviously there are several, you know, we're looking at a continent that still struggles a lot with volatility. Mm-hmm. right with currency volatility yeah and that's how like i know you're keen on talking about cryptos but like that's <laughs> also why one of the issues with cryptos is right uh-huh. yeah you know the rising crypto can destabilize and, and can stabilize or can anyway like create imbalances um on a continent where a lot of the currencies face um very high volatility, right? And yeah. So this is another example. So it's not just fraud cases and cybersecurity, and uh, but it's also like a more, more technical and, and more uh, monetary aspect of this. So there's a need to put checks and balances in place. There's a need for success stories. There's a need for more money to be put on the table for experimentation. Um, but it's still, I mean, there's still a lot of um, a lot of work to be done. Now, I think one of the most exciting 
macro phenomena that, that we're seeing is is very much the the mobile money and the new banks right yeah. um, because we are seeing like effectively a continent that is being historically cash based progressively moving towards digital payment yeah. this is not homogenous across the continent this is not homogenous across sectors this is not yeah. homogenous across different market segments but it is happening right and and the banks who are kind of the the, the beholders right the gatekeepers of of um lots of kind of the market trends i would say <laughs> and the wealth are starting to buy in right yeah we've yeah. seen a lot of like for i think even kcb to 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 fnb um yeah. to, to 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 nigeria to to egypt banks are starting to buy into digital um financial services and this is obviously it's it's not to the detriment of anyone right it's, it's very much to the in favor of consumer and and uh, would probably to the benefit of the consumers yeah uh most definitely and you've you've mentioned also about neo banks and you know this this is actually a new trend uh, i think the other day uh, telda from egypt just raised uh, from sequoia uh, capital and and we expect that and one of the other things that you mentioned on the report is embedded finance to actually be some of the trends that you know are going to we are going to see more traction on um so maybe you could just touch briefly on embedded finance and you know how you see it being a driver of uh, fintech across different fields sure um i mean starting from new bank i guess it's um it's a phenomenon that is very much global there's mm-hmm. a trend toward letting the consumer be in power of their uh wealth um and so letting them feel like there's more control over their money uh, mm-hmm. than there would be you know than than, than there used to be right in a, yeah. in a kind of more peer to peer kind of way yeah. um even though like it's it's hardly ever pure peer to peer because obviously you go through a, a machine mm-hmm. right you always go through a bank and then um but I guess there's an element of the regulation trust and uh, that is built in, uh, in in that process when it comes to embedded finance um obviously i would say finance is simply the word that uh underpins i guess the whole paradigm the whole framework that allows you and i to transact right? yeah. and uh, as being doctors as being truck drivers as being jurors as being farmers there needs to be an element of you know, the ability for us to transact right and um financial technology has basically been putting been a, that element in the hand of entrepreneurs and you know companies that are developing solutions in this specific sector mm-hmm. and that's how like we're seeing i guess you know a a proportional growth in that sector as a proxy for growth for many other yeah. uh, many other sectors because effectively the rise of e-commerce is has been enabled by a strengthening in the trust infrastructure in digital yeah. in a, a, the growth in cybersecurity the growth in financial infrastructure that allows you and I to 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 exchange money or exchange a good and and pay for it 
remotely without having even you know ever even met like yeah. yeah and then of course there's a whole infrastructure around you know uh getting carrots from uh i don't know from kisumu to nairobi or getting uh, an insurance package paid or getting um whatever like a, pa- a good package from a warehouse to your house yeah but what is it really enabling it right there's a, there's a better kyc that isn't you know that, that is put in place when you when you make your account and yeah. when the moment you make your account there's a, there's a credit check right there's a reliability check there's a, there's a security check all of these are now like, probably we sometimes we forget or like the average consumer forgets about it but there's a whole infrastructure that we put in place that includes regulation that includes um, technological you know technological components for that enable that safe transactions to happen and so on and so forth and so i think you know all this uh, very confusing uh, rambling to say <laughs> that financial technology often underpins many of the of other sectors and something we've seen for instance in lending something very exciting i think has been the growth in lending from companies that are for instance providing um supply chain management platforms mm-hmm. right um these can go from kobo to whatever like circle watch and and many others like and what happens is these companies are now collecting so much information mm-hmm. to create a financial history of the people that then populate their the the the, the databases right their yeah. their fleet and so on to then have a first uh kind of um rope first row position to say to be able to say Eric is Dario is eligible for an insurance package yeah. or a repayment plan right yeah. so Dario can probably buy better wheels so can buy more product can buy this and that right yeah. and this is enabled by the fact that there are there better financial history which is in turn enabled by the fact that technology is able to store information about you uh even if you don't have a, a bank account right mm-hmm. one of the findings for instance for this report which has been very much a validation right of, of yeah. what happens like this is something we know yeah. but we've 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 seen the data so right, we've been very happy to be able to to finally get out there with with some solid information is that most of the respondents um said that their company that their platform can be accessed without a desktop or without a smartphone yeah. or without internet connection meaning expanding to probably like the 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 bottom of um the income sort of band right yeah. and also that users don't necessarily need to read like extensive documentations to to access these um, these apps or finally have a bank account yeah. right and this is an increase in accessibility of a lot of services that you know in turn trickles down to the availability of uh credit and the availability of credit the ability to to buy more uh, produce or storage or goods and then so on and so forth right that's how like in this sense fintech is is playing a very much technology and the whole auxiliary technology around um mm-hmm. the transactions so the kyc and the credit scoring and the cybersecurity are really being the element zero right mm-hmm. in in this process 
Awesome. Uh, and, and I think uh, it's it's very important that you're talking about, you know, just the ecosystem and how uh, fintech uh, and, and basically financial services are embedded uh, in essence in, you know, different sectors of the economy. Um, so then speaking of ecosystems, again, uh, the African continent is, is huge. And, you know, in as much as there is funding that comes in, um, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, sort of complaints uh, and, and for a good reason, because we really hadn't seen much uh, information, I think, from where I sit uh, as well on the Francophone uh, regions. Um, and you recently put out a report uh, on the Francophone market, which is quite interesting. Uh, uh, quite a number of, you know, budding startups uh, uh, coming up um, from from that report, you know what have been you know the main learnings for you from that report uh, in terms of uh, that market and what can we expect from it? Something that I'm doing is actually showcasing the rising interest in this region, um, which still remains, I guess, out of out of range for for several investors and entrepreneurs due to obviously first the French language. Mm-hmm. Uh, although supposedly everyone, like not everyone should speak English, but surely like English remains, the, I guess, one of the most um, lingua franca of, of uh, the world. Um, there's, a, there's a practical um, gap in accessibility to the information about what happens in this, in this country yeah. because their the primary language is, isn't English. One yeah. of the primary and sometimes it's not even French, obviously, but, um, but let's say they're um, characterized by a legacy of, of a French-speaking language. And uh, there are a few, I guess, few elements that I've been excited about. One is the interest from East African companies in settling in countries like Senegal or um, Cote d'Ivoire mm-hmm. to as bases to expand them across the region. Yeah. We're seeing... Like top of my mind, I think Twiga that you know mentioned. It. I don't even know if Twiga actually is uh, went on to expand to actually operations to Franco Africa, but mm-hmm. Twiga was one of the first one raising cash and announcing expansion to Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah. But then we've seen um, Circle Watch and we've seen Sandy um, yeah. also expanding to the region by way of setting, I guess, a base in in, in that region. But also other companies like Gebeya is is an Ethiopian company that set up in Senegal yeah. doing talent. And why? Because yeah. like Franco of Africa actually offers quite high degree of uh, talent, mm-hmm. especially Senegal being uh, like a relatively stable um, ICT hub for the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, also offers a lot of ties with Europe, especially Western Europe. Yeah, and it's uh, it's been it's a high. Like the diaspora is, is very um, active and it's very high across uh, across Europe, and uh, and so there are a few countries that you know have been growing off the radar, but that are offering actually a lot of opportunity. Another interesting aspect is obviously the fact that a lot of the challenges are similar, you know, regardless of the fact that we're talking about different environments, different regions, there are similar aspect that need to be tapped into, right? The lack of credit, right? The need for like a better logistical infrastructure, uh, the need for more investment into small holding farmers. Like we are seeing very, especially, especially in Cote d'Ivoire where like the, the cocoa production is, is, is so uh, dominant and so important in, in, in the region, right? This is yeah. Ghana who's doing 
Uh, Ghana is, is is taking the first few steps in uh, trying, trying to own the, the the supply chain for cocoa. Yeah. yeah, you know there are so many so many steps that are yet to be taken in in agriculture in, in Franklin, Africa. So by shedding light on what happens across this region, we're trying to really see if we can move the needle right to yeah. to, to to drive some more attention. And we've really been reaching out to most of the investors that we that we know for some mm-hmm. actually all the investors that we know but hopefully most of the investors that are that are active in the space public and private and corporates and so on to really say you know this is this is what is happening and we'd like to um we'd like you to just to take note of of, of what is happening across this market awesome um and finally i guess one of the interesting bits is um, the rise in public and private funding facilities mm-hmm. for Francophone Africa. So it's not just the Proparco and IFD and you know the Canadian and the FTB, but there are also lots of corporates that are looking into Afri- into Francophone Africa, and there are also a lot of like the big guns that are looking into Francophone Africa. So you have Kitch, which is one of the leading uh, taxi companies in France mm-hmm. that has expanded across. Uh, North and West Francophone Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Bolt, you yeah. have Uber. Obviously, you have Jumia, which has you know yeah. been fairly active. You've seen Globo. Globo is uh, massive in Cote d'Ivoire. Uh-huh. Like if you if you walk around Abidjan, you can see. Um, at least this was the case uh, until like a, <laughs> a year ago. I went to Abidjan a few times, and 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 you can see like the, these big names, you know, and riders across across the street. So I'm very bullish on Francophone Africa. I think there's um, more interest from local and international players. We are yet to see like significant numbers of success stories from the region. Yeah. But I know, for instance, that are two of the companies that are raising and uh, that are raising in order of millions mm-hmm. recently, and they will be announcing, I think, soon. You know, this is the or other companies that have been raising quite a lot, like they start power and then have started operation in Francophone Africa. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and and obviously you mentioned you're very bullish about uh, Francophone Africa. My final question as we come to the end of the podcast is, uh, you know, what are the themes that you're looking forward to most um, on the fintech space in Africa as a whole, you know, uh, from both from an innovation <clears throat> and startup point of view, and also now from an investment or, or funding point of view? Sure. So obviously I think um, with the spree of very large deals that we've seen in fintech, mm-hmm. uh, we are seeing now the real the real players um, in the startup space globally yeah. uh, entering the conversation. So, you know, I don't want to mention necessarily Tiger Global because now it's on everyone's mouth, but uh, there are quite significant uh, late stage investors and corporates that are um, entering the market and targeting fintech as their first um, sector of interest. But um, I think something that I'm really uh, bullish and interested in is the fact that there is growth in, in data availability. And I'm not talking about necessarily brighter type of data, corporate data. I'm really talking about consumer type of data, right? Commodities, yeah. prices, and so on. Companies like Grow Intelligence, but many other companies are doing consumer good uh, type of data are actually contributing to the growth of 
sectors such as sectors or products such as credit scoring, KYC, uh, insure tech, right? And these, and I think these will lead to s- substantial growth in these spaces because the more information available there is um, for collateral, for you know, drafting comparables and so on, the more we'll see auxiliary and uh, kind of subsidiary sectors grow uh, all across the board. Yeah, awesome. Uh, but then now for a more personal question, then what, what should we expect from Brighter? You know, uh, it's been an amazing, what, two and a half years <laughs> yeah. the future hold. Yeah. So Brighter has been doing uh, quite a lot of work in um, emerging markets right now. Yeah. Uh, what we're really focusing on is trying to spotlight, you know, cross-regional opportunities. Um, no company has started from Africa and... Well, at least no company that I know has done the work that we're doing from Africa out towards emerging markets. Usually what we're seeing is, and a lot of our clients actually, you know, start from global and then go into Africa. Yeah. Um, and then we're, we're reversing this process because we really want to tap into the opportunity that, you know, the continent has to offer two other similar markets. So India, Latin America, and Middle East, and then obviously create cross um you know, cross opportunities. So a lot of emerging markets work. Um, yeah. We've been investing significantly into our tool, into the brighter intelligence. So yeah. you'll see significant changes. A lot of changes are in the back end. Um, <laughs> so you're not, you cannot really see. Um, but, uh, but you know, for people that operate the platform and for yeah. you know, the people that are using it, uh, there's quite um, a, lot of, a lot of changes. So I guess, yeah, these are the two, I guess, product and... Um, and the emerging markets focus are the two. And I guess a whole lot of reports that we're releasing this year. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we are looking forward to that. And uh, thank you very much, uh, Dario, for joining us today. Uh, and obviously um, waiting to see, you know, the brighter intelligence uh, features that you're talking about, because uh, as, as I mentioned uh, initially, we uh, we actually also use uh, that tool, you know, to just keep a track on, on the various startups and, you know, what's going on in the African space. Super.